iRadio 76 proudly presents the 515 Show with your host, John Sarver. Who's at the 515 door today? You know, you know, we had this gentleman on, um, uh, when? I believe it, the, the snow was falling. But he's uh, an incredibly interesting guy to talk to. We saw him at PRI last time. There's actually a picture of all of us all together. And uh, it, <laughs> we were talking about everything that could possibly be EV. Close, John. Hi, John. How are you? John Sarver, CK. What is new in Texas? Well, how are you doing today? <laughs> it's the excitement. We're just talking to the to the audience, and we're talking about last time we saw you, the snow was falling, and it was cold. And um, now, months later, <laughs> if you're in Michigan, right. the snow is falling. Um, wow. But we're excited uh, to talk to you again just because so much has happened in the EV version of the world, you know, and, and yeah. we're glad, you know, to be talking to you now. I mean, now that, that Chrysler's come out with their EVs, I, everybody's coming out with their EVs. I mean, but then again, we want to know what's happening with you. We saw the Fiero is gone. The other car may be going. Tell it. Fill us oh. in. All right, well, so, you know, we were on our fifth electric uh, race car. And yeah. uh, that started back in uh, 2009 with the with the Fiero. And it, it finally hit the track, I think, in uh, two, late 2010 and 11 and 12. And we still, that car, even though it's, uh, gosh, is it 12 years old? Uh, the, the record is uh, still standing out there. It's not a street legal at Texas Mile or 155 miles an hour. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow. The acceleration rate is what keeps it there, I think. The Tesla still can't hit that in that period of time. Now, the new Plaid might, um, but we're we're out to break that. So then uh, the second car was the uh, the Miata, you know, that did uh, 0 to 60 in like one second uh, flat, uh, raised the tires up, carried a 60-foot marker, and we raced that, and that ended up hitting the wall over some bike somebody's car part and uh, popped the tire and it slid into the wall. Luckily, it'd be an electric car. It, uh, self, uh, it, it was protected really well, and we ended up just backing the car under its own power onto the trailer, took it home. So we retired that car. Uh, that was a salt and battery. <laughs> um, okay. But uh, that car did uh, eight second quarter mile at 150 miles an hour, still Pulls the uh, half mile speed record at uh, Texas at the uh, U.S. Mile at Ellington Field, 165.5 miles an hour. Uh, the next car is Panic in Detroit. It's a four motored, 3,000 foot pounds of torque. Um, wow. 1,900, yeah, almost 2,000 battery horsepower in that car. We, we've run a 7.2 at 188. And that still is, uh, Don Garland just passed us by a quarter mile per hour just recently. We loaned him the batteries, and uh, he's uh, he he did that run, and then now he's uh, he's built some new car, and he's he's doing some other things now. But uh, Panic in Detroit, we we felt that was about as quick as it was going to go. It wasn't as fast as it possibly could have gone, but it was as quick as it possibly could have gone. And we're retiring that car now, and we're working on now a Ford GT40 kick car with a 300 mile an hour uh, funny car cage. 
Wow. Uh, NHRA funny car cage inside. Uh, the car is only 40 inches tall, as you know. That's where the 40 comes from. Uh, it's got its own custom front end for uh, air dam and scoop, and the air is going to flow right through where the radiator would go. But since we don't need a radiator, the air is going to go right up and over the hood, over the glass, and we're shooting for 300 miles an hour in that car on wow. kind of a laying speed basis. Wow, so you're going to walk away from the quarter mile and see what you can do at Bonneville? Uh, well, I don't know about Bonneville. I like this Texas mile racing. The, the street tire, it's not true street tires. It's like Hoosier R7s, but they're uh, they're the only ones that let go above 200 miles an hour out there. Um, <laughs> we, just fit the, we just fit the new uh, Hoosier R7s on there. And uh, the big old uh, three... Three fifteen millimeter wide and uh, big old big old jumbo tires in there. It's uh, beautiful the way they uh, fit in there. We're running a, a Ford IRS rear end from Dutchman axles <laughs> and a Corvette a full Corvette suspension all around. And we are putting in the new Lone Star EV uh, two thousand horsepower electric motor. And I'm toying with the idea of putting two of them in there just, just so people's mouths drop open when they hear that <laughs> figure. I think they dropped now, right? John, actually. Yeah. I mean, I don't so know contr- I don't know anybody else that's running a, a, a GT40, and clearly an electric GT40, and nothing with a funny car frame. Holy God, where did you come up with this idea? Yeah. Well, I, you know, uh, uh, land speed and top speed is really a function of cross-sectional area, and uh, I, I've always wanted a GT40. I just could never afford a, you know, even when they're selling new in 2005 for a quarter million, they were selling it above, you know, list price, and uh, I, I would never want to cut up a, a real GT40, a, G, a Ford GT or a real GT40 to to convert to electric so uh, we decided to do our own you know plus plus to do that you got to put a bunch of reinforcing bars a roll cage and all that inside of it and there's just no room in in those cars so we uh we decided to just make our own chassis it's a chrome molly tube chassis in there i mean unless you're doing the king's english who is we who's helping you with all this mm, so we had a chassis guy in ohio do the the chassis uh um, I'm, I'm doing the motor, I'm doing the controller, I'm doing the battery. Um, I got a body kit from uh, Ardern Cars in, um, in Ohio. Um, and then it's all coming together. So Corvette, we bought a Corvette suspension and uh, the kit, kit's designed to attach a Corvette suspension on there. Um, the rear end, of course, makes like 1,800 foot-pounds of torque, so we needed a really strong rear end, so we have a Dutchman, Dutch, yeah, Dutchman axles. Wait, uh, wait, time out, time out. How many mm-hmm. foot-pounds of torque? 1,800 foot-pounds of torque at, <laughs> at, zero, at zero RPM. <laughs> These numbers, yeah. you know, and the funny thing is, normally, years ago, you would have had everybody trying to find a straight jacket for you. You know, they still You're may. Right. However, you know, it, nope. it, these numbers are actually real now. 
you know? Sure. We've got a dyno. We, we, uh, we've done a 3,300-foot-pound car, um, and that, the math works out. You multiply it by the gear ratio and the car's weight, and you get the exact, you know, that, uh, that performance out of it, that, that acceleration. The, that, the Ford's going to have a, uh, a 243 rear end in it. 243? Yeah. What are you running NASCAR? I mean, what is two forty three? It's like an old Buick. Two, yeah. I mean, good lord, you know, not not the quickest off the line, like but you don't have to worry. Yeah, it's like a nineteen sixties truck cut from from way back. Yeah. Wow. I mean, to, yeah, because everybody it, to bring you up to speed for those who aren't hip about EVs is that as soon as you breathe on the pedal, you have your maximum right there. In theory, yep. with gas engines, yep. you wait to a certain RPM, and that's why you hear the gear shift, uh, uh, because that's where your exactly. peak performance is. Right. And, and that's what flips people's minds, because people that are so used to ICE engines are used to, okay, peak horsepower at 4,800 RPM, or you have to mm-hmm. wait off the line, and that's why you have to gear tall in the back. Uh, you know, you have 411 gears and higher, so you can get right. going. EVs, right. <laughs> it's there, man. The uh, the Fiero had a 273 gear in it. And that car did uh, 9.8 in the quarter. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. You know, and, and the funny thing is, when you look back, John, at, at the um, Fiero, you know, do you go, oh, how cute, our first time out, you know, and you yep. look, do you look yep. at it and say, you know what, <laughs> I, I see I some was... things I wish we could have redone. Uh, yeah, I do. I was so naive. <laughs> yeah, but remember at... the story? I was, I was, I took that car to the track the first time and I was so uh, anxious. I was, it was January 4th, I think, and it was the first event of the year and I was the first car to text and it was the first car on the track and. I'd never been down the drag strip before, and I lined up, and the guy waved me, and I, I did a little burnout. That went, <laughs> that went well, and I got up to the line, and then I, I, I was so nervous. I was, I was, my plan was to just mash it kind of easy, and you know, go real easy. But I don't know, my nerves took over, and I pushed the accelerator <laughs> down, and the, the, uh, the tunnel vision was so bad. I was looking down the track, and I saw the two flags on the end of the track, and I was like, "Oh, they left the they left the flags on the track. They're only like six feet apart. Uh, they forgot to take the flags off." Well, they don't. First of all, they don't put flags on the track, but I didn't know. And I got my foot off the accelerator, and I cruised through there, and I was like, "Those flags are like sixty feet apart." <laughs> <laughs> I was wow. That was tunnel vision. I've never had that before. So wow. Uh, I. Now I now I prep my body and breathe properly. <laughs> yeah, but the excitement. Put my head back so I don't get knocked out. The excitement had to be there on on the maiden voyage. I mean, this is where everybody's oh. looking at you, and for everything, oh. it's put up and shut up time. Yep, you're out there with this little red Fiero, and they're like, well, "Nobody races a Fiero. Who, who the heck <laughs> put a Fiero on there?" You know how did? And uh, in a few months, we were beating every. Every daily driver out there. That car did zero to sixty in like under two seconds. It was a that was a good little car. Zero to sixty in under two? Yeah, in the Fiero, yeah. Two like one nine nine I think was its calculation. Yep. Did Elon First, call you up? Yada did 
<laughs> I mean, Tesla wasn't even, I don't know, is Tesla even selling cars in 09? I don't, 10 on. Not really. I mean, they were, but they were a boutique at that time, I do believe. Yeah, they had the little roadster came out first. Yeah. Yeah, that I mean, for everything that you put on there, and, you know, now we're getting the big wave, and I know what you're going to oh, ask, and yeah. so we're going to ask you. So um, yeah. why did they? Why did you pick a Fiero body of all bodies, super light in the front end and kind of a unique body style? Well, at the time, everybody was doing the lightest, smallest car they could, and since it had a plastic body, uh, um, I, you know, in 1984, it was sort of like my high school sort of, you know, car. So it was like, it was a cool car back in the day. Plus I got it for $500. <laughs> actually, actually what I was going to do is I was going to build a, a Lamborghini Diablo kick car and Whew. put that, put that body on that. And then I was, I was told you I was up in Canada and I was watching these guys up in uh, uh, Alaska and uh, the, the, uh, uh, the guy named Mike Wilman. He was raising the, the wheels up on his uh, Ford Pinto. Again, another small car. Yeah. But I said, how the heck is he raising the wheels up on a Pinto with a small little nine-inch motor? And I was doing the calculations. I was going, shit, that guy's making, that guy's making like 700 foot-pounds of torque in that, in that little uh, Pinto. Well, no, not a Pinto. What was it? Uh, a Comet. Maverick. It was a Maverick. Oh, shoot, I don't know. No, Crazy Horse <laughs> Pinto. It was a Pinto. One of them. But, okay. Know, like a 1970s Pinto was a heavy little steel box. So, but anyway, he was lifting the, the wheel, the tires up on that, and I said, "How was he doing that?" And uh, and so we got into it. I copied what he, I copied what he built, and it just did a little differently. Wow, you know, it's it's amazing that you went from that, and then all right, so now EV, you know, Lone Star EV is going strong. I mean, I, I'm assuming it's still going strong. You still have it, right? Yeah. Okay. Are you going to you going to PRI? They're they're dying to have me back again. This will be my almost ninth or tenth PRI show. Uh, they they now have a full electric vehicle performance zone inside the PRI Professional Racing Industry Trade Show. You're going there again? They you were don't. There last year, right? Did you say they don't or they do? They do second oh, year in a row. Yeah. Okay. Good. 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 Because I was thinking <laughs> with, with everything going on. I mean with. But the big three and everybody else going nothing but EV, I can't imagine, you know, they're not, oh, of course we're going to be there. Oh, hell yes, we're going to be there. We're going to be looking for the cowboy hat, which will be yours. I mean, what are you yes, going sir. to What are you going to have there? Is something new? Are you going to have uh, the stuff they had mm -hmm. last year? Uh, you know, what's happened this last about two years has been the, uh, you've heard about the chip shortage. Uh, you guys are in Michigan. Yeah. You know about this chip shortages so that hit us as well because the, the controller system's all electronic and we, we designed around a certain set of chips and when we went to go into production i've got seven something of these 2000 horsepower motors around and i just i when we went to order the full production of the, of the controller uh all the chips were out of stock it's 60 week lead time 60 uh, i couldn't get anything so no it was terrible and I said, well, I can't start up a company, uh, start sell these things without, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, the 60-week kind of a time frame. And then we hadn't really done any testing. I've, I've driven the car on the drag strip and found a few things I want to fix. And we went to do the revisions, and here was a 60-week lead time. So I was like, 
Now we got to go back to the drawing board. So last about a year and a half, I've been uh, going back, and each time I design around something, I go back, and that chip that used to be there that had stock is no longer in stock. So then you got to go back to the drawing board and redesign around something else. So uh, that's that's where we've been. I've, I've got the car, I've got the motors, uh, I've got like one and a half controllers, kind of one prototype controller, and then one's kind of ready to make a production controller. So I, we've been kind of in a, in a freeze right now. Um, I'll be able to bring a copy of the controller and a copy of the motor like I did last year. Wow. And batteries, of course. Yeah, we I mean... a lot of batteries. Yeah, I could imagine you are. I mean, are you selling the new Panasonic ones? Those 40, you got, I forgot what the hell, the ones that Tesla has that's supposed to be smaller, better, bigger, faster? Mm, they won't sell them to retail yet, but uh, I'm, uh, we're, we're selling our own brand. I, you know, I've got my own design, and we, we have a custom factory making a very high-performance, uh, high-power high cell that uh, just... When people look around and spec, they can't find any other cell to meet it right now. So, well, tell us about it. I mean, I mean, when oh. you were at the dinner table, what's the difference between between yours and everybody else's? Well, so let's take a Tesla a battery. Um, in order to make the four hundred horsepower or six hundred, or maybe the Plaid makes a peak of seven or eight hundred now, but uh, you need a twelve hundred pound uh, Tesla battery in order to make that power. You have half of that battery and makes roughly half the power. It's, it's, uh, it's got kind of a, a, a power limit, if you will. Okay. And uh, our cells, usually for racing uh, short courses or drag racing, the, the instantaneous needs only like under 10 seconds. Uh, or in a circle course, it's a you know in the straightaway, top of the straightaway, for for a few seconds, and then you got to hit brake and turn. Yeah. Um, or, or on a lane speed course, it's, you know, probably under 30 seconds total peak discharge. So, uh, we can build a battery pack, like one quarter of the weight of a Tesla battery pack and do the same horsepower figure and then not have to put in like water cooling and all that other business that uh, record, they, they require in order to keep their batteries from overheating. Yeah. Cause we're seeing, I think it's with the, the challenger or no, what, whatever the, Chrysler is going to call that now, is that they, in in full race mode for the new Banshee EV motor, and I'm using the air quote jobs, I mean, yeah. they're, re, they're uh, redirecting the air conditioning to go down through the battery side as opposed to going right. through the intake. And I'm looking at that, John, and I'm going, does that not seem to be... Does that not seem like it's robbing power to put power over there to cool things down? Is that even a smart idea? Um, well, he, you know, the heat is coming from internal resistance. So if you have a cell that's got high internal or medium internal resistance, you're making heat out of out of pulling amperage. And uh, the only thing that you can do is try to cool it. And so you have to make power in order to run a cooling system. So you're wasting power in two Two instances: one, and in the you're losing uh, power due to making heat, and then you're you got to turn an engine to crank a pump, or you got to use some more electricity to crank a pump in order to cool it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a double double whammy. It, it, you can make it work. I mean, obviously, uh, 
I'm trying to think of the scenario, but uh, if you didn't have cooling on an on a internal combustion engine, it'd last about, uh, you know, 30 seconds, right? So. <laughs> yeah, ask well, any post stock or any funny cars. Well, say. yeah, I mean, drag, yeah, dragster, uh, the big dragsters, I don't think they run a radiator. Just, you know, just nope. make sure you don't run it very long. Yep. You're using the oil as cooling. Yeah, I mean, really, and they're celebrating that they just, you know, top fuel just went 338, 338 miles per hour, you know. I know. And so now, but I'm looking at an electric dragster, and I'm going, okay. You know, I mean, with all the torque and all that stuff, I mean, do you think, John, 338 would be feasible for uh, for electric dragster? Mm, I think you and I over beer, we usually get to this point in the conversation and I, I say the following that we're going to have to figure out a way to suck the car down to the track and <laughs> we're, we're going to need some rule rule variances uh to, to equal them but you know because they've got the rocket ship uh, pushing the car down and instead of weighing one gravity force you get you know you actually weigh like two gravity forces so you know, that's you know you can put way more torque onto the car to accelerate than uh an electric car doesn't have that same kind of cheater option, if you will. If I had some kind of a jet engine pushing me down, you know, like the headers on a on a big car, um, I I could I could use as much torque as uh, I could make, you know. Right. Yeah. Because that's what people. We just had um, Scott Gardner on from the WDRA, the the new. Uh, World Drag Racing Alliance, and we asked mm-hmm. them. I mean, are you going to have a classification for EVs? Uh, him and Ha, him and Ha. You know, I mean, he was doing his best, but everybody yeah. is like, "Well, we got to make sure that we know how." And, and this, I don't know if this is a cop out, John, or not, but it, it's kind of like, "Well, we don't know how to to safely have them on the track in case something went yeah. astray." All right. I mean, I have a yeah. I have a meeting tomorrow morning with the NHRA. We're we're in like meeting number seven of a technical review of battery electric car safety for rules packages for NHRA. So I'm, IHRA and WMRDRA or whatever the one world. What is it? World what? World Drag Racing Alliance. It's a split off from the IHRA. Okay. How do you like that one, well, eh? I, I look, you know, they're mostly worried about damage to the track or damage to people or people getting hurt, things like that. If, uh, you know, but when early drag racing occurred, uh, before a lot of lawyers got involved, there was, <laughs> there was fires. Remember they used to put, the they used to put gasoline right on the tires and do a, what's called a flaming burnout. Yeah. And ooh, was that cool. And you had to wait till night to, to have some it. of that. Yeah. I could throw some big sparks out. Oh, yeah. Well, they used to have that, and it was like almost jumping through the ring of fire. They would light, you know, the box, and then the top feelers would come spinning through it, and it's like, woo wah. Mm-hmm. But really, John, you know, what happens if if uh, a battery-powered, an EV, you know, smacks the wall? Okay. So what's the difference? How would you put that? Obviously, I, you wouldn't throw water on it, you know, but, I mean, is it so mysterious that in case there's an accident, nobody knows how to how to approach this. Well, that's kind of what these meetings are about. You've got track safety officials, you've got drivers, you've got uh, the 
tech department. You've got the competition department. The competition department wants to make sure the TV contract's done and, you know, they don't cancel the event because you've got a burning molten hole in the middle of your track. <laughs> um, um, we've heard from Europe of one guy had a wreck, and uh, not a wreck, but a battery caught on fire, and it burned all night long and all into the day. And the wow. problem was they built the battery such as like a, a streetcar. It's got like a, a impervious steel containment uh, unit around it, so you don't pick up some kind of road debris and punctures the the bottom of the of the battery, right? Because most right. of the batteries are on the bottom of the vehicle. So you you built this kind of impervious thing to make sure it doesn't have road debris puncture it, um, but that that thing also then is almost impervious to low. Well, firefighting. So the only thing is to just kind of wait and tend it and try to keep it cool, uh, which at this point I think is maybe even hurting the thing. You may want to, uh, you know, I retired from NEDRA, so I, I can speak my mind a little more than normal. Um, you retired from it? Well, I think everybody retired yeah, from years, it. Good Lord. Ten years. Ten years I retired. And, um, <laughs> The new uh, the new guy in charge is Alan Thomas. He's out of Muskegon, Michigan. Could interview him. He's a good guy to interview. He's a great guy to interview. Matter of fact, we had him on a couple of times. But boy, the Nedra, we knock on the door and it's awfully quiet. You know, for for the mm. special membership and the whole nine yards, it's like, dear Nedra, is anything going on? Well, find well, out. I. Alan, Alan went through some health problems there, and uh, they, they give him a couple couple months for to recover from that. But uh, sure, I'm sure they'll be back. Uh, we're in there every uh, week trying to work on the rules. You know, we're kind of just rules sanctioning and uh, and record keeping. It's you know we're, uh, we've never really been a strong uh, um, like hey let's get 50 people together. It's, because in order to do 50 people, you got to get them from all over the country. And, yeah. Um, a lot of these folks are building a shoestring budget to begin with, and um, they're, they're not professional racers. They're, they're kind of like home hobbyists. Um, and now you can go out and buy a Nissan Leaf and, you know, have air conditioning. and The racing kind of went a little bit by the wayside. Yeah. Um, still a few... Uh, marquee kind of uh, guys out there at Fargo, Tammy. Um, yeah, but even Huff. Lowell also, a little shout-out to Lowell, the vice president. He also has got some uh, things ailing him, so we were giving him a break as well. But, um, but those two guys will be back. They, they said both of them might be back. So We're not hearing anything, really, unless we're missing it from Huff. We're not hearing anything from Garlitz. You know, we're not here, and we know that the the hurricane didn't hit him, you know, for the last year, and whether it be at the chip shortage or whatever, but boy, oh boy, there was like huge anticipatory feelings about, here we go, here we go, and then everything dropped off. Well, the the, the three of us, uh, Garlis, Huff, and myself, were all past the 7.5 rules package. We're kind of in, in this outlaw category, and uh, they really don't know what to do with us. <laughs> so, you know, I, here's the thing is, somebody's got to lead the way. Somebody's got to kind of break the door down and just say, hey, uh, that's why I did most of my racing on IHRA tracks. I would call up uh, 
the old president there, I can't remember his name, but uh, I'd say, hey, uh, you know, I'm going to do an exhibition, and he'd make me do a little paperwork, and boom, that, that's all I needed for approval. So they've always been great. Um, uh, the NHRA, they said, you did, you went out fast? What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 7-2, seven, seven, sorry. You gave me a license, I think. <laughs> you know, the, the the weird thing, John, is that to go back, because I know that, that Alan is our intern here, is we want to make sure, because we were talking about this at the pre-production meeting today. All right, so say they have a Lone Star battery pack, and they're mm-hmm. driving in a fine uh uh, Fiero, let's say, and mm-hmm. oops, they mm-hmm. smack the wall. All right, so mm-hmm. what should the uh, safety safari have to, I mean, first of all, what's the chances of that thing having a fire? Uh, depends how hard he smacks the wall. Uh, depends where the battery pack's mounted. Um, I've, I've smacked the wall twice in cars with, with batteries. And okay. Nothing happened either time. But the batteries are centrally located in the chassis, and they got the chassis built around it. So, I mean, you'd have to smack the, heart, the wall pretty darn hard and uh, almost like from the rear end of your car. I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but uh, the Blown Star pack's very small. That's Here's another thing. is like you have a battery pack that stretches all the way from the front wheel axle and the back wheel axle all the way from the left gunnel to the right gunnel. I don't know. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, yeah. The, the left and the right bottom, side yeah. of the car. Um, and it's uh, six inches thick, and it's like the entire length, and it's uh, 1,200 pounds. Um, you pretty much are going to hit the battery no matter what direction you hit the car from. Um, when you have something one-third the weight, one-quarter one the size and volume, um, and you can pack it in the middle of the car and in the middle of the say, between the two tires um, in the back or in front. Um, it's much harder to get at that battery. So we've never even got close to uh, a battery puncture or, you know, damage in that way. We did have one guy that had a, a problem where he broke the frame in half. He had back half the car and welded a uh, tube frame onto a, uh, a old Chevy Chevette rusted unibody <laughs> construction and it, it, he lifted the wheels up so far and it came down and cracked the, the welds at the, at the uh, where he welded the two things together. And when they went to lift up the car, the battery pack was bolted to both the rear, uh, the rear chassis and the front chassis, and the battery was the only thing holding it together. And when he went to lift up, it cracked the battery, and that was a bad, that was a bad thing. Wow. Um, but other than that, I'm, I'm knocking on wood. There was a one guy in Europe. I know had a had a battery fire, but it, it wasn't an accident involved. They just overheated it, or had some kind of poor wiring in there, and it got something involved, and then it burned for hours. And there's just nothing that the the, the, the safari could do. So we're working on a new battery. Uh, possibly the, the thing we need to do is have some kind of access for water, like in essence a a, a fill pipe, you know, like a, where you have a fuel tank filler. Ah. You know, yeah. just have a water tank filler. So, like, the safety safari could come over, put a little water in there, um, and fill up the spaces uh, around the battery before it gets too hot. You know, if you just have one or two cells involved and you can see smoke and, smoke and fire or whatever, get in there, get it get it quenched out, and try to keep it proceeding from, from one to the next to the next to the next. Once you've got about 100 of those involved, 
um, you, you're not coming back. You're not going to get that out. It's too far gone. So, I mean, John. At that point, you can only just cool it. But what do you put on a battery pack Water. fire? Water? Water. Which mm-hmm. is totally the uh, last answer I would have said. Okay, water. Makes sense. But then why are so, they so worried about? Because it seems like all the RAs are very, very worried. You know, we'd love to have electric guys. Oh, we'd love to have the EV guys. Oh, boy, we're just all ready for them. But yeah, we just don't know how to fix, you know, an accident. And it seemed like such a cop-out, you know, to me. Maybe it's not. Well, we got we got a number of answers. One would be, you need way more water than they carry. Usually, to put out a, a fire uh, with water at a dragster, you usually just need to quench the water because everything's spilled everywhere, and you just kind of need to put out a tank, right? Right. Or yeah. dilute it down to the point where it doesn't it's not flammable. Um, they only carry. I think they're only required to carry eighty four gallons of water on there. Yeah. And most of these fire departments who, who get involved with something like a Tesla fire. They've got, say, a 1,000 gallons of water they end up putting onto a, One a Tesla car. 1,000 gallons? Yeah, so you're putting on, like, say, 10 gallons a minute for hours. That's That adds up. Wow. Um, but you're not putting anything out. You're just All you're doing with it is, like, cooling water, spraying it on there. You're not really, like, quenching the fire. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because the, the battery's inside that steel canister burning. Um, second thing is what do you leave it on the track and fight it? Or our, our, our latest feeling is we just all EV should have a front hook on there, a little tow ring and the, and the safety safari. Once you rescue the guy, you hook a hook on there and you just tow it off and get it huh. off into the field somewhere and then fight it over there. And then maybe the event can go on while that thing's burning over there. Wow. Okay. Oh, great videos someday. The, the, the event's running, but there's a fire. <laughs> <laughs> usually they usually they don't do that. There's a fire. If the safety safari's over there, they can't be up at the front. That's uh, You know what I'm saying? Yeah, now you're going to have two crews or more. And then two crews, right. In, in the worst case scenario, it would be two Teslas ram into each other. Oh! <laughs> probably, probably the weakest thing would be like a... Uh, a tire blowout, and then he comes across the line and slams into another guy. And so now two guys spin out and crash. And wow. But have it, something. John, are, are those battery packs that vulnerable? I mean, on uh, a crash? I mean, everything is vulnerable in a crash where you have gas, battery, whatever. But, I mean, they, it's almost like this spooky, you know, black plague kind of scenario. Yeah, I mean, it's just people don't want to get sued, and I think there's just a lot of, uh, you know, you know, you, the, the safe thing to say is we want to be safe, and so it's better to not have racing than than to, to risk something where somebody actually gets hurt or a fire occurs or something like that. But no, I mean, shoot, Teslas, all these cars are super safe, low, you know, the center of gravity is so low in those cars, very hard to flip them over. Yeah. They are very heavy, though. I mean, like, I think a Tesla weighs five grand. I think that Ford, Ford fourteen hundred. I think I heard weighed over five thousand pounds. That's about as much as my truck. Yeah, the Hummer um, is like six six ton. 
you know, chew up them tires, kitties. However, wow, yeah, like I, that's what I heard. I heard the the Ford fourteen hundred's got a two thousand pound battery in it, and I think the Ford, it's you know, it's the high performance one. It does nines, low nines or high eights or something yeah. like that. And then uh, I think the car, I, I, I think I want to say it weighs over five thousand pounds. And yeah. two of those involved with each other. You got a couple, three, four thousand pounds of battery involved out there, and that would be quite a mess. But you know what? And, and really, John, what's coming on? And, and thank God that the RAs are are looking at you, are talking to you. You know, perhaps the genius mm-hmm. of all this EV stuff is is that you can't stop it. Not you, you, but they can't because once Chrysler fell, fell, and I use the in the air air quote thing, you know, once they went to EVs and they're not very apologetic about it, it's like, this is what we got. Here's going to be the new challenger. Look out, kids. This thing is going to knock your socks off. Chevrolet's gone there. GM is going to be all electric by allegedly a couple of years. Wink. You know, you already have Ford going full tilt. I mean, that is the face of racing. The RAs can't drag their feet anymore. Like it's a onesie twosie, you know, that people have like one or two, uh, Tesla's out there. I mean, the big three, this is what they're going to be selling. And if you're going to do a pro stock class or a pro EV class, you know, the first RA that gets their buns together, you know, gets us all together, you know, is, is going to be the winner. But then everybody's going to copy off of whoever has, you know, who's ever leading the way. And it sounds like from you, John, that it, it, the NHRA is taking the step up. Mm. Yeah, they're they're stepping up. I, I gotta say, it's probably like a three year process, though. Right? They're going to allow, um, as I understand it, stock cars, unmodified stock cars, in the Summit Super Series this year, or I mean next year. Yeah. Um, or, I'm sorry, that was this year. The year's over. Jeez. <laughs> um, so they're going to. I know of a few people that have uh, won in Teslas. Yeah. So I, I hear that there will be a few more Teslas at the NHRA Summit Super Series Championship this year as track champions. And uh, I think last year they had six. IHRA, I think, had three. Now, the difference between NHRA and IHRA is that the NHRA is only, you can only be a stock car. Um, in IHRA, it's anything that meets the EV classes. Huh. You see what I'm saying? So the EV class is, I can take that Fiero, or I can take that Miata, or I can take my dragster, and as long as I don't exceed seven and a half seconds, I'm meeting that class rule, and I can race that car. I've got an X in front of my uh, membership number, or at the end. And I do, 4264X. Cool. So um, uh, I could have raced this year. I just, I decided to do go full in on this forward and uh, blow everybody away. We're shooting for 250 in the quarter on, you know, with, without any kind of traction modifications or anything real tricky, like a chaparral suction skirt or something like that. 250 in a dragster. In a quarter mile in and the a, Ford. Oh, in the Ford. Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, are people walking at you and then saying, look, if you can go 250 in a full body car, you know, can you do mm-hmm. 250 in, uh, you know, can we give Mr. Huff some kind of competition somewhere? Has it got lonely for him? 
Well, I like I said, as soon as he beats me uh, in my ET, uh, I will I will crank up the stuff and bring it out there. But right now he's running seven fives, and I'm running seven twos. You're that, Steve. He's running seven five, and you're running what? He's running seven fives, yeah. and I'm running seven twos. <laughs> okay. So at three tenths of a second at two hundred miles an hour, he's, he's a couple car lengths behind me. So you wouldn't be <laughs> in the frame of the picture. You know, they do that kind of ending line where they shoot the line across the end, you know, when the two cars come across. He wouldn't, be in the, he wouldn't even be in the picture. <sighs> so somehow John Here. Metric is going to be at top end eating a sandwich waiting for Mr. Huff to show up. Right. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. The gauntlet has been thrown down, Steve. Yeah. Uh, he and I are good friends. He went for the he went for the two hundred. I should have done that thinking back on. I thought Garlis would do it way more or much earlier than he was. In fact I I decided to lay panic up because uh, I already had the seven two. I was already like the quickest E T and uh Garlis was trying to re gear and everything to do the two hundred and I I just said, man, he's going to do it. And what, what if metric, some guy named Metric was 200? I said, that would be good for the sport. So I, somehow in my head, I thought that'd be wiser. Just give him a little more time. And they were off out of the blue. You know, in fact, I, I sold the batteries to a guy named Derek Barger under a sponsorship agreement. And uh, he didn't tell me. I, I thought he was selling them to a, a flying motorcycle project. And um, he ended up selling them to Huff. And I, I'm like... What the hell? Way to go. <laughs> Buff, Huff does a 200 in front of Garlitz and me. And uh, like, oh, shit. You should could have done that over. Yeah, but now somebody is going, look, I will tell John that I'll get these batteries for a motorcycle. I'll give them to you. Wow, the espionage that went on, John. It, it was a little, a little drama there. I, I, I don't. Little? I'm not sure it's exactly how it went. I think possibly I sold him sponsorship him, and then he said it fell through, or, or didn't didn't remind me that it fell through, and <laughs> then re, resold them. But I pretty much sold them at cost and didn't make any money on the whole deal. So, and to have go as fast as Huff, call Lone Star EV Performance. Or if you want to go faster than Huff, frankly, yes, I'm sorry. If yeah. you want to go faster than Huff, call Lone Star EV Performance. You want to beat those street outlaw guys? You want to go faster than Daddy, Danny Dave, Daddy Dave? What's his name? I don't call know. Lone Star EV Performance. Or, hey, you know, the, the street outlaw guys is all public information now. The street outlaw guys did a battery-powered truck. And yeah. I guess on the dyno, they were using the Barker pack, and that blew up. And uh, they called me up, and they said, hey, we, we need a different battery here. We, and can you have it to us in two days? Sure. <laughs> I got one right back here. Yeah, I, I did. I actually did have one. So he called me up. We drove over to to Memphis to pick it up and drove it down to Houston, checked it out, sent it up to uh, Tulsa the next day and arrived there. And they were filming the next day on Thursday. And they filmed that uh, the one episode. I don't know if you saw it. This, uh, the electrocutioner episode is uh, Street Outlaws, uh, Farm Truck and Asian season one episode five or something like that and uh and they went out and they ran uh, two runs and then on the third on the third run uh he wiggled his hand and he had his hand on the disconnect switch and i think they accidentally disconnected the disconnect switch during the burnout and it just 
boom, huge explosion. And then they try and it well, us have been talking all about that for several weeks now. So uh, Yeah, but that's what we don't need. Time. You know, E V people don't need that. You know, yeah, okay, so it was oops and away you go. But you know, put another one in. If your hand came off and it was O E operator error, you know, that's okay. Yeah. And away we go. But don't keep yeah, saying that it's, oh, the battery, look at that, look how unstable, look at that, oh, you hotshot electric guys, look what happened, blah, 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 shut up. <laughs> yeah, it, the battery the battery wasn't hurt. In fact, it's, uh, it's in service now, so nothing wrong with it. It's just, it was a connector that, uh, the connector between the, the, the battery and the controller, it was, he had a big manual safety disconnect that he, he, <laughs> Un, I think he undid it during the burnout because the car was shaking so bad. Man. That old test tube. All right. So say all of a sudden, John, that uh, pennies from heaven open up, and all of a sudden the folks who make the chips go, I can't believe it. We stored all the chips back here in the warehouse. We got plenty. Here you go. All right. So now you order up all your chips. What are you doing right away? Well, right away, we would be ordering about two or three of these controllers. I've got several customers. I've got some drag boat customers that absolutely want to do, you know, the current record in electric drag boats, 104 miles an hour. That's it. Which is super, super slow. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, we could do that, like, right now. Um, so I've, I've, got, I've got several orders for drag boat customers for these motors. Two, they want to put two. One guy wants to put four. Another guy wants to put six. Um, so that'd be what four thousand horsepower in a boat, electric. Yeah, these these boat guys, you know, they got money. Yeah, yes, they do. Don't mess around. <laughs> yes, they I mess do. Mess around with two thousand horsepower. Just go right to four. <laughs> I give you anybody that has a cigarette boat or a scarab, you know. Oh, yeah, millions. Yeah, yeah lots of million. A lot of Miami Vice kind of people looking things. In case the, exactly. our listeners yeah, don't know, know, it's those huge, long ones that normally have about four or five strippers in the front on the top of yeah, the grill. Yes, dancing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yes, yeah, and they have yep, not they one, have. not two, but three, like, fully blown Hemis, you know, and yep. you just I hear that. some... Uh, on top of that, we got some uh, Europeans uh, interested. Uh, Group C race cars have gone out. Uh, FIA has canceled the Group C race car class. Really? And they only allow... Yeah, so all these people have got these million-dollar investment in these Group C race cars. If you remember what that is, that's kind of like the Ford GT. Yeah, the right, Ford yeah. Mons yeah. car. They canceled um, they, it? They said they canceled that Group C race car class. And Why? Uh, they said, hey, we want to put electric... Uh, engine in our car, but we got to have we got to have like fifteen hundred to two thousand horsepower in there, and obviously the range isn't there to do twenty four hours. But um, they they want to be able to do some modicum of racing. And I said, well, listen, we'll start off with a lap car. You can go set some electric world lap speed records. So we've got some orders for those, and I've got the motors made. I just I I would be plugging all that money into into controllers right now speeding that process up, and then uh, start issuing these kits out in order that they were, you know, the deposits were taken. So is Elon going to, like, share space with you in the Austin uh, factory so you can do all this? <clears throat> um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. 
man, that's a lot. Because all of a sudden, I, I see a whole, again, when, when all the chips come by, and then everybody is still, especially in Detroit, are, are, are rolling their eyes going, how long does it take you to make a chip? However, it's right. just not like right. you set up something. Go ahead. I, I don't know what's going on. I think something about uh, COVID or China, China locking down certain whole cities. Yeah, you know, but I need that city to run in order to make the production. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It, it's amazing. I mean, after two years now, I'm surprised that you're not going to, like, say, uh, Home Depot and buying a lot of refrigerators and taking out the boards for whatever chips they have in there. <laughs> try to design around those things, around dishwasher chips, something. I mean, you, they don't seem to be yeah. like, you know, they, they seem to be very plentiful. You know, but so is horsepower, and so is your next one coming around. People love those numbers, John. I mean, they do. They, they still, because everybody's coming off ice for, what, over 100 years now. They understand torque numbers. They understand horsepower numbers. And that's kind of what they kind of stop at. The one thing that constantly goes through my mind with a ton of stuff that we talked about, you know, in Indianapolis was, you know, when they had the Ford next to you, the Mustang, and you go, you know what, they built this wrong. You know, in your opinion that, Mm -hmm. you know, the Chevrolet guys built this wrong. And and Chevrolet will be more than pleased to sell you an EV uh, kit conversion, you know, crate motor Mm. for whatever Camaro you have. You know, I mean... Everything that you have seen so far that's come out or you heard about or anything, are they still going down the wrong path? Uh, I I think they're working with what they have. I, I I think the problem is these core, the motor cores are designed for efficiency, not yeah. racing. And the, the core has got its, its own little sort of peak power number, but um, it can be extended. The problem is the controller that feeds that. Usually, you've got this really hard upper limit. Like I've, I've got, I've got transistors in my in my controller that that will conduct 900 amps. Um, it'll do 1800 amps for a very short period. And when I say very short period, like one microsecond. Um, but the fall off curve is very steep. There, it's like uh, okay, you could maybe do a thousand amps for a little while longer, maybe. You know, maybe 10 seconds. It could do 1,200 amps at one second. And so it's it, it's really got a very sharp. You can't you can't double the power out of that thing. It'll do 900 amps. That's about it. Should, you shouldn't push it past that. So all these controllers for all these motors, they're they're not they're not they don't take real easy to hot rodding, which is I think where we're where you and I are talking all the time, right? Yeah. We're talking about a stock car, you know, an unmodified stock car. We're kind of talk about this hot rod business. So um, <laughs> you really can't hack them or hack rod. You can't hack the rod to go in there to make way more power on a controller when all the parts are designed to a maximum voltage and you're already there. They're designed to a maximum current and you're already there. And the volts times the currents are maximum kilowatts or horsepower, so you're already there. So the controllers just aren't, you can't go in and like tune them up a little more. You can maybe do some with feel weakening or timing or something like that, but not not very much with like just the tall raw total horsepower. You can't like make way more horsepower in a, a, a controller. You may be able to do it with the motor, but you need a controller to feed that and that's really where the, I see that just the kit is 
there's not going to be any hot riding of that stuff. And then their, their big problem is who's going to install and who's going to design and build the battery. We'll do it, of course, but uh, they don't see that yet. Like, here's a, here's a great motor, but you're on your own when it comes to the battery. Hello, Lone Star EV Aftermarket? Sure, 979 <laughs> <sighs> you. You're quite welcome. I mean, normally we charge for that. However, for you, you know, <laughs> it, it's it, it's an amazing thing because people were thinking that, yeah, okay, if I get, and we're just like throwing this out there, if we buy a Chrysler New Yorker EV, you know, like they'd actually have one, that great electric uh-huh. motor, all I have to do is because I can chip an ice motor and go faster, electric motor, everything's electric motor, but I, the way that you described it so eloquently, it's like, yeah, okay, you have a V8, but you have a 318 V8 from 1979 with, like, 7 to 1 compression, one barrel. Yeah. You know, there's, yeah. <laughs> you still have yeah. to get in there. Yeah, it's kind of that's kind of how it is. The motor, the motor could withstand a little bit more amps, for a short period of time, it could probably withstand a little bit more volts because they don't, you know, they varnish them or whatever inside that could withstand a certain voltage. They could probably withstand that, you know, probably 50% more voltage than they are because, you know, the, they got to have a safety factor. Yeah. Um, but you don't, that controller won't do that. The controller is usually designed right to the, right to the limit. I mean, how hard is it to swap out controllers? Um, it's, it's a little tricky you got to have the motor map you got to you know uh, volts and amps and uh and frequency curve and uh you got to know how the, the the motor uh the three-phase motors are mm, i i gotta say it's it's probably doable if you had a much bigger controller um but again they're starting off pretty big i think that the crate motor isn't it like 400 horsepower yeah, but you know what? Now, I hate to almost say it now, John, but nobody mm-hmm. is impressed with a with a 400 horsepower EV motor anymore. When you see these numbers, right. 1100, 1200, I mean the stuff that we're doing for Lucid, right. I mean they're 11111, 1111, and that's their down model. Okay. You want to you want to know something exciting is uh went to the Sonoma um raceway there for the holly high voltage event they had yeah. easily 35 race uh, dragster car i mean cars racing in the drags race and uh i was getting tired of the kind of the off the line shots and so i went way up to the top end of the track and was down at the finish line at the quarter mile mm-hmm. these videos are posted at on uh, facebook at nedra.com facebook national electric drag race association facebook page that you're retired from yeah the group, the group. <laughs> well, I posted my videos there, and I recorded, I think, 30 different cars going by, like 130, 140, 150. Um, the plaid's now just crazy, like 154, 9.5. And it just he did run after run after run. I, you know, there were, I think, four or five plaids there, a couple lucids, um, of the, the truck, I forget the name of the truck, Rivian. A couple Rivian lucids? Truck. Already, yeah. uh, yep. they're running a hundred thousand yep. dollar car. <laughs> cool. 
Yeah. Well, this guy seemed to have the money. He had to hire. He had to do new tires on it, new suspension. He had all kinds of stuff done to that car already. Wow. Wow. Uh, but yeah, you can see the cars coming down the strip, and I was standing, you know, about sixty feet away from them. That, that's pretty exciting to see a uh, electric car going by at one hundred and fifty-four miles an hour, and you're you're like right there. Wow. I I think we could move the the stands, the <laughs> move the grandstands down to the top end. And to get everybody about 50 feet away, that's pretty darn exciting. Kind of like watching the Grand Prix, you know what I mean? See, that's why we love quarter-mile racing, because they go, well, eight, you know, eight miles easier on parts. First of all, if you're worried about parts and drag racing, you're in the wrong place. Second of all, <laughs> you know, quarter-mile racing, first of all, not only is the traditional standard, but you do get that much more excitement of race with inertia versus speed versus mass versus blah, blah, blah. That gets you down there, you know, and I think that's where the fun is, and you're right. You know, it's cool to see everybody come off of mine, but we understand that they're all going to go. It's you win in the traps. You win in top end. That's the yeah. exciting part. Yeah. And you notice that electric cars don't shy away from this quarter-mile stuff. They welcome it, you know, so hooray. Uh, yep, yep. I, w- I would also say there's a little fan feedback uh, at the starting line. You just you, all you hear is a little bit of well, except with my cars. I mean, there's there's a quite a tire shake and tire uh, <laughs> tire noise coming up. But but these cars, so like the the Plaid and the Lucid and the Rivian and Tesla S, and there was even a Tesla police car out there. Anyway, they they um, they take off from the line. There's like no noise, right? Just, whoa, 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 whoa. They go off, but up at the high end of the track you're going by 150 miles an hour you hear those tires just screaming just <laughs> wow it's pretty exciting lifelike sounds there from john metric not bad man thank uh, you you know the what do you think of the rave of the rivian rivian truck yeah the truck um i like that little pass-through thing where they you can that little along. triangle yeah yeah i like that little thing um, have a I didn't kitchen. Get in one or sit in one. I didn't. I didn't necessarily like the light bulbs. They looked kind of <laughs> weird. They looked kind of like a what? But you know what, what? it is, though, don't you? No. <laughs> what? No, I mean, you know, when at night, if you see those two round eyeballs, you know, racetracks behind oh, you, you know, it's a Rivian. Yeah. Oh, I definitely do. Maybe that's why they did it. It's a calling card, but yeah. I, I just I don't find I don't like that look. Looks kind of like a, I don't know, like a futuristic kind of a droid robot thing with their eyes. Yeah, it looks like, at you. like they're surprised uh, all the time. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like it looks like the car has an expression. I, I don't like it. <laughs> I'm telling you, there is. Yeah, but you read every single review, and they just said this is, you know, the vehicle, and they're stock tanked because of chips, you know. But they're so versatile. I mean, to me. This is the car, and I don't know why Ford ditched them, you know, because it looks like this is like a rolling lab on wheels. Look, we can do this, we can do that, we can do this. Electric cars can do that. We can switch to this, we can do that. You know, it, it's, I thought it was phenomenal. I, I liked it. I, I mean, I, I don't think to, the range for towing a race car trailer is that great. Um, neither is the Ford Lightning. Yeah, but did you see the Ford Lightning that we had, young man? No, I, I didn't. I just saw one at the 
at the dealership the other day, though. You're lucky that you did. Anyway, so we did was we did a uh, the Harper uh, Cruise over here, a charity cruise. Oh yeah. On Harper Avenue, and Roy O'Brien Ford that we were working with gave us a lightning, and they powered the, our whole show, everything, cameras and boards and everything, out of the the back of the lightning. All I day like long. that. I, I like the fact it's like a you know huge like overnight camping battery or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's awesome. Oh, I mean, we couldn't drain the battery. We didn't even make. I think we're out there for from uh, like. Four till till the sun went down to about nine o'clock, and we didn't even impact not even an inch on that battery. I mean, no mm-hmm. engine running, nothing. I mean, there was some kind of bizarre kind of, you know, uh, output from the back, and it went to all of our stuff. And what they wanted to do too was to show, look, you know, in case like the commercial, in case the power goes out in your house, you can run this for a little yep. bit. You know, and it's like, yep. this is no joke. This actually really does work. And so now this is going to be one of those things that all trucks may have because big three like to copy each other. But it's a genius idea. I love it. Yeah, yeah I mean, try to do that with, you, with, your other, <laughs> with your other trucks. But now here comes the cavalcade of EVs. Here com- I mean, for the road, here comes... Fisca is is coming. Fisca is, is allegedly has sixty thousand pre-orders. How I don't know. You know, uh, um, Lucid's now got the Gravity that's going to be coming out. Tesla is going yeah. great guns. How many did they just deliver? Right. You know, right. and everybody's looking at the big three, and with you know, they're talking so much in GM world that within just a couple of years we're going to go there. And then we go through the tired stuff about, yeah, but it takes 20 minutes for you to charge it up. Yeah, that's, you know what, we have a picture of a laptop from 1994, I think, and it takes like two men to carry the damn thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's what it was, and that was battery technology, and we're all thrilled to have a green and yellow screen, you know, and now take a look at the laptop today. Okay, it's called technology and technology, and everybody's fighting for the better battery so you can charge because is because people are saying you know well you can only go eighty percent because you don't want to overcharge the batteries yet yet yet. All right, right. So, so now, right, the most genius man of all EVs, John Metric. Okay, so oh, come on. where are we at? Yeah, who's better than you, Huff? No. Uh, well, where are we at now with with charging because? People, you you charge your your car at home, you know, mostly you charge it when you go out, you know, maybe long drives and stuff like that. That's the only reason why you have a charging thing right now. It's a little bit long because we're just brand new into it. But, I mean, what do you see down the road there, John? Well, I I see two opposing um, strategies. One is a, a, a battery that can charge really quickly which means electrons are going back in when they're going they're going the opposite direction when you needed to with withdraw them and then there's like my cells um mine is mine are designed to let go of the electron really really easily and and make the power very very quickly and low you know without any resistance uh mine are like the one of the worst charging batteries (laughs) Uh, i don't i don't use a lot yeah. You know, I, I don't use a lot, and I can recharge 15 minutes. I'm recharged in between runs and a drag strip. Um, 
or you can just buy multiple packs and swap them out. But um, I um, I think that the two, I mean, you, you know that I'm a metallurgical engineer in, the, in my background, metallurgy and material sciences. And so I, I think the two opposing things are one is a battery that, a battery that can charge really quickly. It seems to be on the reverse side of one that can discharge really quickly. So the ones uh, as batteries are, you know, they, they used to be like rated in C, C rate. And uh, now the typical batteries that are very high energy density and can charge quickly are like, they're like 0.2 C you know, they're like going the wrong way for power. And then, um, uh, my my cells are the ones that give them up real easy. Just trying to get the thing to go the other direction just seems to be very low as well. Um, it's like a point two charge rate. So my, mine have mine have like fifty times the the C discharge rate of the other batteries, and they they make it up by by having just an enormous weighted battery. I can have a much much tinier smaller battery, but I can't charge it at the same rate as them um so I, I don't know the two the two are opposed we've got some solid chemistry stuff around so they're literally like using metallic lithium in there i'm a little scared of that scared um, because well metallic lithium i mean at least lethal lithium in my stuff and the tesla stuff you know at least the lithium's kind of inner intertwined amongst the molecules there isn't like metallic lithium but metallic lithium is like metallic sodium or metallic magnesium you know it's if you ever get a fire going it's going to burn hot like the sun just i mean i don't know it might explode i, I just i don't think anybody's really tested that solid yeah yeah um, but can i charge my car up in six minutes and get in the coffee and go that's what i'll take yeah probably <laughs> yeah probably yes <laughs> God, you know, I mean, will we ever see John a, a six-minute charge-up? Mm. I I would like to think so. Uh, I just I, I don't see. Uh, you know, the other thing about charging six minutes—you're uh, talking about one tenth of an hour—and if you're talking about say a hundred kilowatt-hour battery, you're going to have to charge it at one tenth or, or ten times. Uh, 100, you're going to charge at one megawatt. So it means you're going to, a, a woman, uh, no, nothing against women, but uh, my wife, I'm using it as a prototype. <laughs> I don't want to see my wife handling a, uh, I don't see my wife, sorry. I don't want to see my wife handling a one megawatt plug. How, yeah, but I mean, how small could that possibly be? <laughs> Just the connector. A one, yeah. a one megawatt of power plug? I, man, I, I, yeah. I'm scared of that. I just, I'm sorry. Why don't we just throw a grenade in there and we'll find out what happens? I mean, but again, it's look, folks. You normally try because we get the same tired stuff all the time. Well, what if I run out? You know, you have a gauge in there, like a gas gauge. It's funny how that works nowadays. It tells you when your battery's going lower, and in Teslas, they tell you where your next charge up is. You know, and how far away that is. It's just yeah. the weirdest, silliest thing. And then, well, it's going to take 20 minutes today, but we haven't even got the infrastructure. I mean, you know, EV America is making some serious coin, you know, putting it even in Ohio. 
you see a lot of recharging stations in their rest areas now. You know, it'll happen. Yeah. Amazing. How are right. we doing on? How we doing? How we doing on time? Uh, depending on if you're in the car or not. I am now in the car, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can tell. All I right. Think the quality is going to go down. Yeah, it is. And so what we better do is tell everybody right now, uh, if they want to look into your place, I mean, once the chips be coming, you know, where do they get a hold of you? What can I mean, is there like a, a small online catalog so they can say, I want that 2,000 horsepower motor that's as big as Sue Martin here, you know, weighs 130 pounds. You know, where can they get a hold of you, John? Hi, Sue. <laughs> I would like um, I would like uh, them to go to ampaholic.com or lonestarevperformance.com or give me a call at 979-665-5621. Ampaholic. All right. So now for to talk at the dinner table real quickly, the biggest baddest motor that uh, Lone Star EV presently has right now is how much horsepower and how much torque. Uh, 1,800 foot-pounds of torque. Uh, we're rating it conservatively at 1,500 horsepower, but it'll probably do a peak of 2,000, and the controller could do 3,000. We just haven't been able to test it on the track yet to prove that number. And we, we're having a lot of trouble finding a dyno that can do 10,000 RPM and that kind of torque in the same dyno. I've, I've called a number of dyno manufacturers, and they're like, what, are you crazy? <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't know. I know that you've been busy, but up here we're working with um, uh, Ben Kaminsky, who's the general manager over at SEMA Garage Detroit, and they're all mm -hmm. into electric now, and they do have a dyno there. Oh, oh, oh kitties, mm -hmm. a nice dyno there, amongst other things. You'll see it better. All right. The most genius man in all EV, John Metric. Thanks, oh. John. Wow. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, and that's uh, too much praise. I appreciate it. Yeah, tell me I'm wrong. All right. Thanks, sir. We'll see you at PRI. Thanks a lot. Bye now. I'll see you then. Yep. Coming in December. Bye-bye. See ya. He is an amazing guy. He, he really uh, a, a genius, and when we say that, he is, because if you have more time, figure it out. This was like uh, an hour of 15 and we could have easily gone more. You see how relaxed John is about talking about this guy. He knows all this stuff. He's so far ahead of everybody. In his brain, he's in the Jetson era, you know, and we're just like looking around the Flintstone era when it comes to EV stuff. I mean, he just looks at stuff, and he just maps it out and designs it. And you notice normally you think that somebody would be like a real geekatoid you know, and not relatable and stuff like that. That's what makes um, what we think John Metric so compelling, you know. And, and Al Thomas, too, those guys. I mean, I wish there was more stuff going on with Nedra, man, because I'm telling you, we would give you a Nedra corner. It's coming. I mean, EV's coming. It's not coming. It's here, you know. And, and in the next couple of years, the landscape's going to change. And, again, we live in both worlds, you know, I live in a world that has McDonald's and Burger King, you know, and either one's just fine with me, just as long as it's got performance. And that's what we're with EVs and with ice engines. Ice engines are not going to go away in our lifetime. 
at all, you know. But they're here, and they're fun. They're fascinating. With EV, it's like 1956 all over again. Everybody's just trying to figure things out. And if they didn't have a chip shortage, you know, or, or maybe the chip shortage was a good idea. It was a good idea. Like somebody actually planned it. But, oh, and stop. I can hear the Kuyans right now. Cut it out. You know, however, this is going to be kind of exciting when you see, you know, 1,800 horsepower. <sighs> Yawn. You know, we were so excited when, you know, the 426 Hemi had 425 horsepower, and I'm doing the air quotes, you know, and that was, we thought, was crazy. And now, you know, you see Lucid with the 1,111 um, horsepower engine, and you go, well, that's cool, but now they got one that's even above that. Where's it? The sky's the limit. This is crazy. And this is what makes it fun. <laughs> That's why we're here for you. Talking about here for you. We got to get going because we got the Detroit Sports Authorities coming right around the corner. Seven o'clock today. If you love Detroit sports or sports in general as much as they do, you'll love the Detroit Sports Authorities. 7 p.m. live from Studio B. Talking about Studio B, I got to run down the hallway too there. So um, thanks, everybody that's here. Thanks for our, our um, folks down the line. For we know that we ran a little bit late, but my God, it's John Metric. <laughs> Until that time, guys, always but always follow your dreams. Bye now.